Well, let's take the Bible and go to Exodus 14. And we'll continue through our series on Wednesday nights, The Red Sea Rules. We've been using this little book, The Red Sea Rules by Robert J. Morgan, and going through it bit by bit. I believe it's been a help. It's been a help to me anyway, uh, because we come to those times in life where we're up against a brick wall, or shall we say a Red Sea. And there's no way out, no way through, and we need a miracle. And God is the God of miracles. He is the God that parts the Red Sea, and we can trust him. Uh, Brother Rust needs God to part the Red Sea, and we'll, let, we'll, we'll pray with him toward that end. And sometimes God parts it the way we want. Sometimes he parts it a different way, but he parts it one way or the other, and God makes a way forward for his glory. We're going to review our Red Sea rules, and there's no teens here tonight to pick on. I was going to maybe have some young, young kids see who knows what. Brother Modine, no, no. <laughs> okay, I, I won't be mean to the adults. Can't do that. So let's just say them together as, uh, as they come up on the screen. Rule number one, let's say them out loud. Ready? Realize that God means for you to be where you are. Nothing has taken him by surprise. He knows where you are. He has led you where you are. He has a purpose in that, and we can take comfort in that. Number two, be more concerned for God's glory than for your relief. This is us stepping back and saying, God, give me your perspective on this situation. What are you trying to do and accomplish here for your glory and submitting to that, trusting his grace for the, the, the peace that we need? Number three, acknowledge your enemy, but keep your eyes on the Lord. This is a tough one. We're, our eyes go all over the place. We're supposed to keep our eyes on Jesus. Peter sank when he didn't keep his eyes on Jesus, and we do the same thing. We need to know and not be ignorant of Satan's devices. We need to be fighting the spiritual warfare. But bottom line, we are keeping our eyes on Jesus. Number four, pray. Once again, pray. Uh, in this passage it was a quick prayer they just threw it out to the lord and i'm grateful that god hears quick cries for help just quick pleas and he longs to hear and answer our prayer number five stay calm and confident and give god time to work stay calm and confident where is that calm going to come from and that confidence going to come from it's going to come from your relationship with the lord the more you know the lord the closer you have walked with the lord the more calm and the more confidence you'll have and patience you got to give god time you know the lord could have split that red sea at just just at, at, at one moment he could have split the red sea but he didn't he caused a wind to come and he blew the waters all night long. That just almost sounds like torture, <laughs> you know? Torture! Lord, just split it. Let us through. Let's just get it over with. The Lord knows what he's doing, folks, and he's not torturing any of us. He knows what we need. And if there's anything I've learned this year, it is this. I'm learning, I should say, when God has you in a process, surrender to that process. Surrender to it and accept it. And say, this is what God has for me right now. This is where God's led me. 
I'm going to stay calm. I'm going to stay confident in him and keep resting. Give him time to work. He will bring you through. Number six. When unsure, just take the next logical step of faith. We try to overthink it. We try to overcomplicate it. And we try to over-spiritualize it. And sometimes God just wants us to take the next step in front of us. The next logical step of faith. And sometimes it's a really, really simple thing. Like, go sit down. Take a minute. Pray. <laughs> breathe. Read the Bible. Call a friend. And sometimes it's something bigger than that. Uh, go to the doctor or get a second opinion or whatever. But let's just realize God's going to lead us one day at a time, one step at a time, one moment at a time. I'm glad I don't have to know step 50. I just need to take step one. That was number six. That was last week. <clears throat> number seven. We're getting through these. There's ten. So number seven is where we're at tonight. This is the new one. Let's say it together. Envision God's enveloping presence. Once again, envision God's enveloping presence. And let's go to Exodus 14 and pick it up in verse 19. Verse 19 of Exodus 14. And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other, all night. Isn't it amazing? I do not find it very interesting how the exact same pillar of cloud and fire was darkness to one and light to another. Now that's not the message, okay? But it would be a good one. <laughs> it, it really is. It's, it, we experience this every single day. You can go to your Bible and read a verse and God just touches you with it. You hand that verse to an unsaved person at work and say, look at what God showed me this morning. Wait, do you see this? Look at this, look at this. And the guy looks at it and goes, what? I, I, I don't see anything. And it's how God has had it from the very beginning. He will give light to those who will step forward by faith. But to those who want to doubt and to those who would rather have their unbelief and uh, scoff darkness. Jesus taught this way, by the way. He taught in parables. Ever wonder why he taught in parables? He explains it a couple times to his disciples. He, he says, uh, I, I want some people to see and some people not to. What? What are you doing? That's my John Barber version. Okay, he didn't say it quite like that. But the idea was this. If you're here with an open, seeking heart, willing to listen with ears of faith, you're going to get everything you need. But if you're here to scoff and throw stones and just be critical and cynical and so forth, it's all going to go right over your head. And so it was with the parables. Some people were being healed. 
Some people were being delivered from demons. Some people were having their lives transformed and ultimately turned the world upside down with those transformed lives. And other people said, crucify him. He's a fake. How can you hear the same stuff and go two different ways? It has to do with the, the, the issue of your heart. That's something that we need to be reminded of. Again, it's not really the message, but it's in there uh, in the text. Uh, that's something we need to be reminded of. Folks, we've got to make sure we approach the Word of God with eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are surrendered and open. The same God on this night was darkness to one and light to another. Boy, I want, a light. I want the light. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be stuck in the dark. Let's keep a tender heart to the Lord. And we know they had a, a, a hard heart because the Bible says that. Just a couple of verses before in verse 17. And behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And uh, it's a sad thing to think of God hardening your heart. And in the book of Exodus, you see... It's said both ways. They hardened their own heart and God hardened their heart. And the point is this. There comes a time, I believe, when you can harden your heart to a point where God will just help you keep that heart hard. That's a very, very sad and very scary place to be. But the angel of God went before the camp of Israel, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them and came between the camp of the Egyptians, the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these so that the one came not near the other all night. <clears throat> and of course, this gave God time to work. The Egyptians could not come in. This should have been the Egyptians' clue that this was not going to work out very well for them. Uh, they should have turned around and said, Nope! Uh, we're not going down there through that, but they hung out and they waited. Their hearts were so hard. You know, we might think that the uh, Egyptians were just absolutely dense to continue to persist. But you know what the Bible says? As the dog returns to his vomit, so a fool to his folly. And if you and I are honest tonight, we have returned to our vomit. Sorry. But we have also done what they did and we have pursued our folly when it was absolutely ridiculously senseless. Think about it. What have you pursued when God has said no, 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 no? And then he puts a big wall and you're still like, yeah. Okay, that's how hard we get. We're no better than Pharaoh in and of our own flesh. But God, in His love and His mercy, enveloped His people with His presence. And that's the message. There's a lot of places I'm wanting to go with this tonight, but we'll stick to where we're supposed to go. The Lord enveloped His people with His presence and would not let Pharaoh and his army come and destroy them. What a comfort. Isaiah 52 and verse 12 says, For ye shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rearward. That's a word we don't use very much today. I can't even hardly say it. It's a word that means your rear guard. So 
it's basically saying <clears throat> he's going to go out in front as your leader and guide, and he's also behind bringing up the stragglers as your rear guard. And also, if you look at that Hebrew word for rearward, the Hebrew word has also in its root this idea of gathering. And I think that's a neat picture. Think of God bringing up the rear and gathering all the stragglers. God doesn't leave anybody behind. God doesn't lose a sheep. He picks up after us and he keeps us where we need to be. And, and you and I have struggled. The righteous man falls seven times and rises yet again. Who's the one pulling us up? Do you think it was you seven times? No, it was him. He has our back. He has the rearward and he is picking up the wounded and carrying us and bringing us along. The prophet Isaiah continues in Isaiah 63, 9. In all their affliction, he was afflicted and the angel of his presence saved them and his love and in his pity he redeemed them and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. What a picture. He's picking them up, redeeming them, gathering them, pitying them, bearing them, carrying them all the days of old. I know you've all heard this illustration. It's on um, every postcard, and you probably have it framed somewhere in your house, but uh, the poem about the steps, and the guy is walking in the sand, and, uh, and when he went through the trials... There was only one set of, of footprints, but then there was two sets, him and Jesus. And he says to Jesus, hey, why did you forsake me during the trials? There's only one set of footprints. You were walking with me before, you were walking with me after, but during the trial, there's only one set of prints. And Jesus says, yeah, that's when I carried you. I carried you through that trial. That's why there's only one set of prints. Uh, he is the rearward. He is the rear guard who loves us and carries us. Now, some have asked, who was this angel? It mentions the angel of the Lord there. It says, the, and the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed the angel of God. And uh, there's a lot of ideas about this, but you know, there are Old Testament Christophanies. You know what a Christophany is? Old Testament appearances of Christ. I believe this very well, more than likely, is one. I mean, you've got more than just an angel, you've got this glory, much like what you see comes down on Solomon's temple, much like what you see in other places uh, when Moses meets with God and comes down from the mountain, his face is shining. I mean, th this just seems very much to be uh, more than just any angel. And sometimes Jesus in the Old Testament is referred to as the angel of the Lord. Um, I believe that that's who this is. It is Jesus uh, leading his people through the wilderness and ultimately beginning through this Red Sea. The pillar of fire, uh, just the glory and the presence of God. And that's what it said there. It said uh, in, in Isaiah 63, if we can put that back on the screen, Isaiah 63, 9, it says, and the angel of his presence saved them. The presence of God was there. What a blessing. He gave light to those who would trust him, but to those who would reject him, he gave utter darkness. And as he does today, he comforts one and confounds another. He is the Savior to one and the judge to another. But for us, his children, what is he? 
He is both the guide going before and the guard coming up behind. He is the shepherd and the shield. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the one who goes before us and He is the one who goes behind us, healing, helping, carrying, and shepherding us back to where we're supposed to be going. Praise God for this enveloping presence of the Lord. The psalmist wrote about it in Psalm 139, verse 5. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain to it. Yet the psalmist knew about the presence of God behind, before, all around. Psalm 125, verse 2 As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. Folks, if you're going through a trial, you need some verses in your life like these that remind you of the presence of God and that it's not going anywhere. It says that his presence is round about. And I love how the Bible has all these pictures. Do you like pictures? To this day, I still like reading books with pictures. All right, I'm sorry. I still like it. I like pictures because I think uh, I have imagination and it helps me to, to learn. And the Bible says, I'll give you a picture. You want to you know what it's like? And if you, were, if you lived in Jerusalem, you knew exactly what he was talking about. He says, all right, you're in Jerusalem. Look out there. See all those mountains? See all that? See how the mountains surround Jerusalem? Well, what you can't see is the Lord and his hosts and his armies. So is the Lord surrounding round about his people from henceforth even forever. Reminds me of Elijah the prophet when he talked, or Elisha the prophet, when he talked to his servant and said, Lord, open his eyes. And the, the servant saw there they were on the mountains, the whole entire host of God, the enveloping presence of God and his hosts. Regardless of what you're going through, if you feel surrounded by the devil and principalities and powers, just remember you are surrounded by God and his presence. And there are more that be with us than there are with them. Psalm 5 and verse 12, the psalmist says, <clears throat> For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous. With favor wilt thou compass him as with a shield. What a verse. Compass means to be enveloped, to surround with a shield. For all of you sci-fi people, okay, this big shield. <laughs> Are there some sci-fi things where they, there's this big enveloping shields and so forth? Okay, this is better than that. Because God made it. I mean, you, there is nothing that Satan, no fiery dart that Satan has that cannot come through unless the Lord deems it so. He has us. We're safe. Psalm 32, 7 and 10. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Boy, praise the Lord for that. We live in a, a society that's all about justice. Billboards as you drive around. Justice, justice, justice. I don't know. I don't know if any of us can really handle complete justice. Will any of us come through 
if real, true justice is served to every single individual. I get excited about mercy, though. I get excited about that. And when it says, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. I need that. And I want to continue to trust in the Lord and trust upon him for his mercy. A couple of quotes from the book here, quickly. At the Red Sea, God put his people in a position where his presence had never been so real to them. Using difficulty, he cultivated within them a greater appreciation for himself. God's presence in the trial is much better than the exemption from the trial, wrote one commentator. The Lord's presence is never so sweet as in moments of appalling difficulty. Have you found that to be true? I have. I wouldn't have thought it to be true. Like, for instance, uh, God's presence in the trial is much better than the exemption from the trial. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 that can't be right. No, 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 no. The exemption from the trial is what we want. And that's, I'll find God out of it. Don't worry, I'll find God. No, I have realized, unfortunately, hard-headed, hard-hearted John Barber just cannot seem to get as close to God out of trials as I do in trials. And the Lord knows what we need. And thankfully, He's merciful. And uh, He gives us, uh, not, so thankfully, not every single day is a trial. But there are some days where you think, wow, will it ever stop? Will it ever end? But God is offering you something through that trial. We've got to see it. It's a ray of hope. God's offering you a deeper walk with himself, a more intimate knowledge than you could have ever known any other way. That's the offer. And if you want to redeem that trial and get what you're supposed to get out of it and make it worth it, then take his hand within that trial and say, okay, Lord, I want to know you like I've never known you. As he put there, God put his people in a position where his presence had never been so real to them. And I have to say, I have been in some positions that were very uncomfortable, but God's presence had never been so real. And he cultivated within me a deeper appreciation for himself. The next quote, When you find yourself between sword and sea, remember that difficult times can sensitize us to God's nearness. He is never so close as when we're shipwrecked on omnipotence. Oh, I love that phrase. Who wants to get shipwrecked on omnipotence? Wow, that changes everything. Shipwrecked on omnipotence and driven by despair. Who wants that? I hate to be driven by despair. Into his chambers. Where, he, where we find him a very present help in trouble. Folks, we've got to learn to see these Red Sea moments caught between the sword and the Red Sea as opportunities to be introduced to our Lord in a way that we maybe have never known and embrace it and, and, and embrace specifically his enveloping presence. Four things that will help us here before we're done. Four quick things. 
How do, we, how do we learn to envision His enveloping presence? Well, here are four suggestions. Number one, affirm His nearness in your heart. Affirm His nearness in your heart. The author talks about his mother, and she was a strong woman, had a strong faith, but her husband passed away and left her incredibly lonely, and she felt like she was haunted within this empty house. Haunted by the memories of his hand, the memories of his voice, the me- so many memories, and she just, she was, she was just, you know, just struggling so incredibly much. But she wrote, "I have adjusted now to single life. I have never, because I've never been so sure, I'm not alone. The Lord and I talk together all day. When I wake up in the morning, He's waiting to greet me." When I go to bed at night, he stays up and stands guard. This is a widow talking who's grieving the loss of her husband. The safety she used to feel from his presence, now she's getting it all from her husband, uh, from, from the Lord. Uh, though she was a lifelong Christian, my mother's latter years were marked by renewed love for the Scripture, busy ministry to others, a deepened prayer life, and accelerated growth in praise and worship. All that because she became a widow? Yeah. You know, folks, within every trial is an opportunity. And we would not sign up for these trials, and I'm not saying you should. But I am saying this, God will use these trials if you, like her, like this lady, will, will affirm His nearness and, and commune with Him and draw near to Him. Practice the presence of God daily. Again, Psalm 139, 5 and 6. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Praise the Lord for him putting his hand on you, being all around you. So what do we need to do here to affirm his nearness? We need to remind ourselves, affirm daily in our heart what we already know from verses we already know. And you may not be able to quote the verse, so just give the statement. Give the truth. You can do that, right? Philippians 4, 5 and 6. If I said quote it, you're going to... But if I said, what's the gist of Philippians 4, 5 and 6? You might say, God's here. Don't be anxious. There you go. You got it. You know, you don't have to necessarily quote all these verses all day long. If you can, great. But just give, the, give at least the, the, the essence, the truth, Philippians 4, 5, and 6, the Lord is near. Don't be anxious. What about Isaiah 41, 10? Here's a nugget from that. Fear not, I'm with you. How about Genesis 28, 15? Behold, I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go. Uh, these are not quotes. This is just the nugget that I'm, that I'm sharing. Uh, Acts 18, 9, and 10. Speak and don't keep silent for I am with you. Hebrews 13, 5. I'll never leave you or forsake you and continue to affirm these truths. Our mind sometimes in a trial gets on the wrong track and it starts affirming worry after worry, question after question, unbelieving thought after unbelieving thought. And then we, we just keep circling around this track and we wear, we wear ourselves to death. We've got to purposefully affirm the right truth. I've been reading a book called Winning the War in Your Mind. 
And the author there says, I've got my truth statements. And he says, every morning I wake up, I've got my truth statements next to my bed. He says, I pick them up and I say them. I am a child of God. I am a victor. God's grace is sufficient for me. I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't have to sin because I'm free from sin. And he has, it's, it's like 35 or 40 statements. Now, I don't have that many, but I have several. You need some as well to remind yourself of, not just in the morning, but daily, throughout the day. There have been times where I took my truth statements with me all day long, put them in the pocket, pull them out, read it, tell it to the devil, go into the bathroom, tell it to the mirror, you know, look yourself in the eye <laughs> and convince yourself that this is so. And affirm these truths, affirm the fact that he is near to you. Number two. So affirm was number one. Affirm his, the near, his nearness in your heart. Number two, visualize God's presence in your mind. Visualize. <clears throat> Why is this important? I think it's important because the Bible teaches us very visually. Ever thought about that? Parables were visual. All these Old Testament stories that we can imagine and visualize. Uh, how's your imagination? Do you have an imagination? Anybody in here with no imagination whatsoever? I don't believe it. You got an imagination. You can imagine all kinds of stuff you shouldn't imagine, like what would it be like if I was driving on the road and I had a heart attack? You play the whole thing out, you know? Uh, you know or, or what would happen if the kids, this and this and this and this? Oh, no. Uh, you can imagine yourself getting murdered in your sleep or who knows, all these horrible things. But you say, I can't, I can't, I can't visualize God's presence. Well, why not? I think we should. Why else would God have given us so many pictures of himself? What am I talking about? There's a lot of biblical visual, visualization helps. I'll give you a few. Everlasting arms or the strong arm is also mentioned. Deuteronomy 33, 27. I don't have all the verses, but I'll give you the references. You can write them down, look them up. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The, the eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I have visualized myself in his arms. And if you haven't, you should. It's comfy. Okay, it's a good thing. Envision him carrying you. Also, for a big guy like me, it's just kind of humbling. Humble yourself and picture yourself being carried. Yeah, but that's good. I need to be carried. I need his arms. Underneath are the everlasting arms. In Psalm 89.10, Thou hast broken Rahab in pieces, as one said, Thou hast scattered thine enemies as with a strong arm. My arm is not that strong. His arms everlasting in its strength. Visualize these things. How about a shepherd? That's something to visualize. Jesus as a shepherd, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Oh, actually, I got the wrong one. That's supposed to be Psalm 23. Psalm 23. But anyway, you know, the, the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Psalm 1, 1 was good too. Uh, but Psalm 23 is what we're going for. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. It is good for you and I to picture Jesus in these ways. He's my shepherd. I am his sheep. I'm following him. 
But you also have, this is a funny one, Jesus pictured as a mother hen with chickens, with chicks. Yeah, it's in there. Matthew 23, 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. We sing the song, don't we? Under his wings, under his wings. And I don't know how it goes from there. Who from his love can sever or something like that? Uh, I'm safe evermore. I need to learn that song better. Okay, but you know the idea. We're under the wings of him. We're safe. Picture these things. It helps us. Uh, the rock, the fortress. How many times in Scripture are we given the mental or visual imagery of a rock or a fortress or a refuge? That's our Jesus. When someone says, the rock, I hope a picture of Dwayne Johnson does not come to your mind. Okay, and if you don't know who that is, take that, Dwayne Johnson. They don't even know who you are. Okay, uh, but the rock is Jesus Christ. Everything else is sinking sand. When we think of him, we ought to think, again, of the songs. Boy, well, these songs have all this imagery in it. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Psalm 71, 3, Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. One of my, one of my southern preacher buddies preached on this. And he said, I want to preach to you about King David's five-star resort. He was there all the time. <laughs> okay. It's not in the text, it's in the Hebrew somewhere. But... Uh, yeah, hey, okay, continually resort. He's a strong habitation. And it says that uh, he is the rock and my fortress. No one is going to be able to take him and crush him. He is the rock, the Bible says, that grinds others to powder. Uh, the eagle's wings is another one. Eagle's wings. Exodus 19.4, ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. That is so cool. How many stories and myths and uh, whatever have eagles in them as signs of victory and power and, uh, and rescue? That's who he is. He said, when you were about to get wiped out by the Egyptians and you could do nothing. I swooped in and I took you up on my wings. And this picture is, 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 is also in there. It's, it's 2 Timothy 4.16, just one who stands with us. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. In other words, I believe he could actually picture his Lord with him, standing with him. He might have been the only one who saw him, but he saw him. There is so much, and I didn't even scratch the surface of all of the different pictures and biblical visual, visualization helps that God has to, to, to help us think about his presence and the reality of his presence in day-to-day -day living. Visualization is important. Just ask any musician. I used to have to do uh, so much uh, visual, visual sight reading 
per day when I was playing trumpet. I had to play the song and I had to put it down, put the horn down and then sing the song and then play the song and sing the song and visualize. And, and I remember going to an orchestra, uh, the first chair trumpet of the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra. I went and had a, a lesson or two with him and he would, he, half the lesson was on visualization and mental preparation. The same thing was true, not just in music, but also in, uh, in sports. All of my coaches were like, visualize, see what you're doing before it happens and follow through and all of this mental stuff. You know, everybody out in the world, your musicians, your, your military personnel, your police officers and first responders and athletes, they're all about the, the mental game and the visualization. And nobody calls them crazy, right? Are you guys seeing stuff? No, no, we're, we're, we're in a battle. And we're on the cutting edge and we mean to win. Like Christians, no, no, I don't think about anything but worry. No, visualize God's presence in your mind. Visualize His presence with you throughout the day. In the trial, in the room, in the dark, in the storm, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, visualize His enveloping presence with you. This brings comfort to our hearts, but I'll also say, visualizing God's presence doesn't just bring comfort to our hearts, but it brings restraint to our behavior. Visualizing His presence. I don't want to do this because the Lord is here. And He's real. He's walking with me. I don't want to grieve Him. In the book, the author gave a funny illustration about a guy who came to him said, Pastor, I just can't stop swearing. What do I do? He's like, well, what kind of stuff are you saying? Oh, swear words, bad ones. He said, well, give me a couple. Just go ahead. You know, g- give me a couple of words. I couldn't do that, Pastor. No, no. Oh, come on, let her fly. I am not going to swear in front of my pastor. And he just said, well, why do you do it in front of the Lord? He's as real sitting here right now as I am. You know, folks, if we would practice his presence, not only would we have more comfort, but there would be more restraint. And with more restraint is less sin and less guilt, which complicates our discomfort in the first place. Practicing the presence of God, visualizing his presence is a good, helpful thing all the way around. How can we visualize? Well, Uh, We can visualize by using our imagination with these verses and thinking through how God undergirds us and bears us on his wings and so forth and so on. But also I would say music is a great tool. It's a great tool. I already sang a couple of songs that have these pictures in them. And today I was reminded of a song. I heard about Brother Rick Rust today and immediately my heart just broke. And I, I was just so, so grieved. And the Lord put a song on my heart. And I quickly had to find it on YouTube because I, I didn't have a recording of it. So I found it. And, I, and immediately God set my feet back on a rock because of the song and the truth of the song. It's amazing how God put it. Music can help you visualize truth and visualize his presence. If, 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 you, if you don't have good music, let me know. I'd love to help you with that. If you can't see God, look for the signs that he leaves behind. Okay, we are, we got to move through because I'm all out of time. Look for the signs he leaves behind and surrender 
to his control and his care. Number one was visualize, no, affirm his nearness in your heart. Two was visualize his presence in your mind. Three, access the, God's nearness through prayer. We've already spent a whole lesson or two on prayer. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but it is important. This is part of communing with the Lord. So a couple of verses, Deuteronomy 4, 7. For what nation is there so great who hath a God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? Huh, that's interesting. We sense him nigh unto us in all things that we call upon him for. In other words, it just makes sense when you're praying, you're practicing his presence. He's more near to the person, and he's near to all of us, but you're going to sense his nearness more if you're talking to him. It just makes sense. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Commune means fellowship. It means communicate. It means talk. You can't say that you're practicing his presence. You're not going to feel enveloped by his presence if you never pray and talk to him throughout the day. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, Ephesians says. Colossians 1.3 says we give God thanks. Uh, we give thanks to God and the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ praying always for you. Talk to God throughout the day. Commune with Him. And we'll finish with number four. Reflect God's presence in your demeanor. Reflect God's presence in your demeanor. Uh, I was going to read some things from the book, but I think I'm going to skip that for sake of time. It's a great chapter if you haven't read it. I definitely I would encourage you to do that. Um, there's a story in the book, I'll just summarize it. There is a, a guy who wanted to be a preacher and he ended up a cook. That's a bummer. <laughs> you know, I'm out serving food instead of serving the food of the Word of God. But he struggled with it for a couple of years. And then finally God smote him with, with uh, basically conviction over his hypocrisy. He's like, he just became aware that whatever I do is to God's glory and I can glorify God as a cook. And I can meet with God and fellowship with God as a cook. And his whole life changed. He dove into his walk with God. And then people began to ask him, what happened to you? What happened to you? And this one preacher would visit him and eat some of his cooking and come back again and come back again. And then they began to write letters back and forth. And every letter this preacher got from this cook, he would save it. And then later, at one point, when he had a whole big binder full of them, he published it, and it's a book that people have been reading. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called Practicing the Presence of God, written by the cook through letters to the other guy. You know, uh, hey, and that still lives on today. People are still being helped by it today. Yes, you can practice the presence of God as a cook when you wanted to be a preacher or whatever it is. You take where God has put you, and you reflect God, God's presence when he is enveloping your, you with his presence, you can reflect that onto others. Final quote, and we're done. The pillar of fire and cloud followed the Israelites through the wilderness, then disappeared when they entered the promised land, but not really. It was later seen in the spectacular clouds of glory that filled Solomon's temple. And again, in the ball of fire that burst in the upper room at the day of Pentecost, the same presence now resides in and around all Christians everywhere at every moment. 
You are not facing your difficulty alone, for the Lord is closer than a friend or brother. Envision his enveloping presence right now. And folks, it doesn't say feel it, because you probably don't. It says envision it. I don't know if the children of Israel on that day felt anything but fear. But if they by faith chose to look, they saw the angel of the Lord go from the front all the way to the back. They saw a wall form that was light to them. I don't know if they knew there was darkness on the other side. I don't know if they could tell. There's light here and dark there. I don't know. The wind started to pick up and there goes the water. They had an opportunity to focus on his enveloping presence if they chose to, but they may not have felt anything. It's hard. I've been there where you feel your feelings are so contrary. But you say, I'm not going to go with my feelings. I'm going to go with the fact of the word of God. and I'm going to go with what it says. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to meditate on his word and envision his enveloping presence. So, Number one was affirm his nearness in your heart. Number two, visualize God's presence in your mind. Access his nearness through prayer. Commune with him and reflect his presence in your demeanor. Rule number seven was, let's put it up on the board, rule number seven, envision God's enveloping presence. Once again, envision God's enveloping presence. When you feel like you are being enveloped, Recognize you are by Him more so than what you think you are uh, seeing. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for your love and goodness to us. I pray, God, that you would help us to cast our eyes upon you, that we would learn, Lord, to just trust you and take you at your word. I pray that you would take the fear and replace it with faith. Help us, Lord, to see you so close every day. We give you glory for what you're doing. Have your hand upon Brother Rick Rust and his wife and their family. Lord, help them tonight to be able to see and, and know your enveloping presence in their life. And Lord, would you part the Red Sea for them, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.